this message is for you. We are warriors of God and we're praying for you. How dare you? How dare you? Spread fear with your ego, but the truth is where we go. Our human rights come from God, not government. Brainwash puppet, you were sent. You liberals act really, really strange, but MAGA kids are now in the game. Listen, living, listening to Synchronon. Sick and wrong. Yes, you listen to Synchronon. The Sick and Wrong, the world source for anti-social commentary. God, what a bunch of scumbags. Good evening. Welcome to Sick and Wrong, the world source for anti-social commentary. I'm your host, D. Simon. Uh, while Harrison's still on sabbatical here, my special guest host this week is Shauna. Shauna, how's it going? Good. Shauna from Canada. Thank you for filling in this week. My pleasure. I was actually, you know, you're a longtime listener. You emailed me on Facebook and you're like, I would love to co-host a show. And I was like, well, how long have you been listening? And you're like, since the first episode. What the fuck is wrong with you, Shauna? I don't know. (laughs) That's a long time. That's like 15 years. I know. I was trying to think back to the first episode, and I, I remember the first one I heard was actually Wackerly talking about going to the movies, and he had this corduroy jacket with patches on the elbows and got scared by the guys in the parking lot, so he hid in a diner. And then so I went back and started <laughs> listening to all of the old ones. That's like a typical weekend for Wackerly, though. Yeah. Getting he, scared he by a scared. gang of toughs in the parking lot. <laughs> Yeah. Um, yeah, no, that's a long time. How did you find out about it? Did someone uh, tell you like, hey, check out this podcast? I think I was just searching Apple and I came across the um, elephant. Oh, the elephant logo. shitting logo. Yeah. Yeah. And that intrigued me. And first episode, I was hooked. You know, I'm going to have to bring that one back. I've been trying to, I've been just, uh, I was going to talk about it later, but I'm launching a tea public store where we're doing like all new tea t-shirt designs and uh schlitzy actually shout out schlitzy's been helping me uh, design these and i've been bringing back a lot of the old ones but that reminds me the elephant shitting was a good logo i'm gonna bring that one back maybe get like stickers or something it's a it's an eye catcher that's for sure (laughs) so uh and you've just stuck with it over the years through wackily through harrison up until now yeah, I was there for, what, the Giving Tree reading. I was there. Oh, my God. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's a classic episode. Yeah, it was a good one. Or and Tree I've Grows seen... in Brooklyn. That's what it was. That's what tree it was. Goes, yeah. was giving yeah, giving Tree is a good book, though. Shell Silverstein. You should do that one. Yeah. No, the yeah, tree yeah. Grows in that's, Brooklyn. That's... <laughs> yeah. yeah, maybe next um, time I do my own solo show. <laughs> even the, the format where we used to send in stories. Um, and then people would vote on it, whoever. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the yeah. winner the winner would have to buy beer for the next week. Yeah. <laughs> we then, did uh, that for years, actually. You did. And I won one of them. You oh, sent you? me stickers. I did, Oh, okay, yeah. yeah, yeah. I remember back then I would send out stickers. I think we started like, oh, we're going to send T-shirts, and then we realized that costs a lot of money. Yeah. So then we went to stickers. But, yeah, we used to do that. That was uh, – Wackerly never did it, but I sent out all the stickers. I well, really didn't do a lot. He just complained. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, that's kind of uh, the charm of that guy. Still complaining. He's, uh, he was on Patreon a couple weeks ago. But um, So, Shauna, th- you're from Canada, right? Whereabouts in from, Canada? Uh, Calgary, Alberta. So is that like west side, middle? I don't know much about Canada. Um, it's right above Montana on the west side. Um, oh, okay. Just, so you... just east of the Rockies. 
But so you're like mountain time. You're like only maybe, what, an hour ahead of me? Yeah. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, that's not too bad. That's not too bad. Um, and so are you, uh, tell me about yourself. Are you married? Do you have kids? I am divorced. Divorced, um, all right. I've got two kids, 14 and 11, and I'm currently dating someone 18 years younger than me. Whoa, Robin the Cradle. Yeah. A little wow. bit. Yeah. yeah. I'm a little bit of a cougar. <laughs> well, you look pretty young, though. So Thanks. That, that I appreciate works. that. <laughs> and, um, yeah. So wait, so what do your kids think of your podcast listening habits? Uh, my youngest, I don't let him listen to too much. He's he's uh, he's pretty impressionable and he's a little badass. So if, if he heard, I'm afraid what he would say. And my oldest, he listens to to you guys. He likes it. So. Oh, he listens to Sigurd Rog? Is there like, sure did you have to, you know how like when you have a sit down to talk about like sex and growing up and, and adolescence, do you have a sit down and be like, all right, it's time for you to listen to Sick and Wrong? I think he just caught me playing it in the car one day on, to, on the way to hockey or something. I have a few kinds on rotation and he was like, well, what's that one? And I'm like, uh, uh, it was a couple of years ago and then it just kind of stuck. I'm like, all right, I guess you can listen to it. <laughs> Does he ever ask you about it? Like, uh, well, they were talking about this. Like, do you guys ever have like, like dinner time discussions? He'll mention sometimes like, oh, I heard, I heard about this. And I'm like, oh, you heard that on sick and wrong. He's like, oh yeah, that's where I heard it. Yep. So <laughs> I'm loving the Canadian accent, by the way. Um, I don't yeah. hear it. <laughs> no, sometimes it, it, there's certain words that, uh, that, that the Canadians pronounce that like you can, that it seems very, very apparent with certain words like right, I think is a word and up when you say up. Uh yeah, I work with a couple of people in, in uh, Toronto, and she has a very thick, way thicker accent than you do. Um, well, apparently Canadians end everything on an upswing on their... Yeah, it's that like, rising inflection. Like a, yeah, and I, I noticed that a few years ago. Someone pointed it out, and now it's it's kind of, you know, stuck, but... It's kind yeah, of I, muted I with think... you, though. I don't... Because uh, this other... This woman I work with on a daily basis, I'm like, wow, she has a Canadian accent, for sure. East Coast um, does, for sure. So what what is uh, what does the boyfriend think about sick and wrong? Is, is he a fan? He's never listened. <laughs> he's never listened to it. <laughs> no, he's not a podcast guy. He's a he's a like a he's a little raver, jeezy kind of. Uh, I don't know. Where, he's... Okay, where did you meet a guy eighteen years younger? Tinder. Wow, on Tinder. And is it, he? Wait, was... Does he usually date older women? Is that his thing? Um. I think it's kind of a fetish of his. It was. I was kind of on what they called after divorce a tramp page. A tramp page. Yeah. <laughs> I kind of like that term. So, Never heard that. There's kind of a market for like the mill for the older cougar. I noticed, and so I was kind of you know on a roll when I was first divorced. I'd been married for 16 years and oh, way before. Time, dating app so it was kind of yeah it wasn't intentional to settle down with him but two years later here we are and i mean it's no got to be a bit of a culture shock for you because it's like you know 16 years ago you know there yeah i mean that maybe craigslist personals was around but now it's like you got tinder and hinge and all the uh, bumble and all that stuff oh yeah there wasn't even even craigslist but like i remember well, I met, I think I had my email address for two years when I met my ex, you know, so it was, it was, there was no real internet. And so when and, you got uh, Tinder, was it crazy? Were you like banging three guys a day? If I wanted to, I sure could have. <laughs> so much easier for women. Oh, so much easier. And like I oh, said, yeah. like the older woman, younger guy thing, holy crap. Like, yeah, it's pretty rampant. 
So is this but, the youngest guy you've ever dated? Like in terms of age difference? Um, well, yeah, I guess 16 years. Yeah, well, in my in my tramp age phase, there was, I think, one or two guys that were a little bit younger. But yeah, he was 25 when I met him. Do you have any, like, are there things that are just really, like, that really contrast with the age difference? I don't think I've ever dated someone eight. Although my ex was actually significantly younger than me. Like, probably about 14, like, 14 years younger. It, there's a lot of cultural differences. I'll mention something, and then I'll be like, oh, wait, you don't even know what I'm talking about. You don't know what that is. Like, it's just movies or songs or uh, You'll like mention a Rush song, be like, oh, when I was in high school. Oh, yeah. Like I had to explain (laughs) that Ozzy Osbourne was in Black Sabbath and who Black Sabbath was before Ozzy Osbourne. Like it just, just the most random things. I'm like, oh my God. Like I I always say, I hate this game because it's, it's like, oh wait, you don't know what I'm talking about. So you just don't make, you just kind of do away with all the Sanford Sun references. Like I'm just not even going to bring that up. A little bit of good times, but yeah. <laughs> well, that's cool, though. That's cool. You got a young guy. So, have you met his parents? I have. His Are mom you actually his same age. His mom is five years older than me. <laughs> um, yeah. It's that's... always kind of awkward. Like with my ex, I was closer in age to her parents, even though they're like ten years. 10, 11 years older than me. I, I was closer in age to her parents. And so when we'd hang out, at first it was awkward. But then it's like, oh, yeah, we just get wasted and drink and, like, sit there and shoot the shit about the 80s. And so, we, yeah, yeah we, it ended up being fine. But was it awkward in the beginning? It's awkward, yeah, because his, his siblings are closer to his age. His parents are almost my age. Um, it's also kind of funny because my kids are closer to his age than he is to me. Like, um, my oldest is only... 13 years younger than him. Why do, so, do you make them call him dad? Like, do, they, <laughs> <laughs> or do you call him like, this is new dad. All right. Oh my God. No, <laughs> no, no. My youngest did buy him a father's day gift though, but they, they bond over like my youngest and him bond over Pokemon and Pokemon go and wow. anime. Um, God. and then the other, the, my oldest goes to the gym with him. So they, they found something they, I'm like, okay, you are playing play video Fortnite games together. Fortnite, yes. They play yeah, Fortnite. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of funny. Although that's cool. I mean, if it works, you know, 18 well, years. Yeah. He's I mean, my, he's my little boy toy. <laughs> <laughs> well, good for you. Um, so, uh, so Shauna, I was, uh, looking at your Facebook and I saw that you posted something about hitting a deer the other night like I did, with your car. Um, what happened? Um, so we were driving back from hockey and I was going about 65 miles an hour in the, on a back highway and uh, I own an Elantra. So it's a s- small little car. And then all of a sudden there was just a giant deer. miles an hour. God, that's crazy. Yeah. So just going down the highway. Going down the highway and within a split second, it was right in front of the car and I just hit it full on. No time to stop or Did anything. Did you eviscerate it? Like split it in half? Um, I was told that there was entrails, like his guts were on the road, but I don't know where he went. I don't, I don't remember much after hitting him. I just, I remember seeing deer and then my son screamed and then I couldn't see anything. Like it was just, there was nothing. And I thought, um, I thought it had come like through the, the windshield. The windshield was covered in blood? No, it actually didn't hit the windshield. It hit, he was tall enough and my car is low enough that it just, it caught his whole abdomen, I think. And he oh, kind of ran off. Flipped over. Oh, he probably yeah. ricocheted not, or something. Something. I'm not quite sure. But then the airbags went 
and I couldn't see anything. All I felt was something in my face. And I thought it was like in the movies, you know, where you see the deer come through the windshield. Oh my God. That's so I my started biggest pushing. Fear. Well, that's what I thought. I'm like, Oh my God, it's in the car. And it wasn't, it was just airbags in my face. Um, and then I, I don't know, I skid a couple hundred feet and then, yeah. Just what does your car look like? It is destroyed. Absolutely like, destroyed. But I mean, you guys were in your seatbelts. No one was injured, right? I have a broken thumb um, oh, wow. and a pretty banged up knee. But other than that, I'm okay. And my son is unscathed. I don't know how he, other than the fact that he was sitting really far back and I'm sh really short. So I was a lot closer. Um, was yeah, he in the and front I just seat? Got, yeah, he was. Oh, okay. Yeah, and so I just the, got my car fixed too. Oh, that's that's even worse. So <laughs> yeah. does insurance cover this? Like, if you totally, like they pay you out for hitting a deer? They do. It's no fault, thank God. Um, and so I'm just waiting to find out how much they'll pay me versus how much I owe. So what? So what happened? Did you just call the nine nine one one or what's what, what's the Canadian equivalent? Nine nine nine. Okay. It's no, we're not UK. Um, <laughs> Um, so then you called 911, they came and then, uh, they didn't even find the deer. No, we couldn't find the deer. Just found its guts on the road a bit and my car everywhere, but it was dark. So I didn't know if someone was going to hit it. I didn't like it. I called my boyfriend to come out and I called the cops and they just came and towed it. Cause I couldn't even move it off the road. It was that annihilated. And, uh, yeah, I just headed off to the hospital after that. Wow. So someone's getting is... some good deer meat. I don't know. Yeah, someone's getting some venison. That's always been one of my biggest fears because uh, I learned to drive in Michigan, and there's a ton of yeah. deer in Michigan. And you hear about it all the time that someone hits a deer with their car. Um, and I remember reading an article. I'm trying to think of where this was. It was north of Bay City, Michigan. But some guy was driving, same deal, 65 miles an hour at night, hit a deer, and mm -hmm. the deer went through his windshield and kicked him to death that's that was instantly what went through my head and oh my that's God. why i started pushing because i felt something on my face i'm like oh my god there's and then what i would do what yeah, i could possibly what could be you do it, yeah but, i mean yeah. well the thing's freaking out it's dying and so yeah. It like yeah with his hooves just like you know pummeled into death that's what i thought was happening i was so my panicked biggest about that. fear yeah, I but was, it didn't. It, yeah, I was lucky, really lucky. But yeah, I don't even care. Like last night, there was an earthquake here. Did you read about that? The four point five. No, I didn't. Yeah, there's no. a four point five earthquake. It was crazy because I was Shit. on the phone, and I'm talking, and then all of a sudden you just heard like stuff smashing, and like some some stuff actually got knocked down, which doesn't usually usually earthquakes are pretty pretty tame, but yeah. this one last night was a four point five. Like the whole place kind of shook, and so I was like, whoa, that was a fucking earthquake. That's crazy. Doesn't scare me as much as a deer going through my windshield and kicking me to death. Well, I'd seen three on the way to where we were going earlier that day. Like it's, it's so common. I live about 40 minutes outside the city in a small town. So I drive, you know, 45 minutes each way every day. Like they're there all the time. Um, and I've hit one before. But you have hit a deer before. Yeah, but not this bad. I was driving a, um, a moving truck and I caught the head of the deer, just kind of oh. took his head clean off. Wait, but just, he was a baby. you like decapitated it? A, a sure fawn. Did. You decapitated the little Bambi. I killed Bambi. Oh my God. So Jesus, this is probably Shana. his mother's revenge. I don't know. <laughs> Do you ever hit a moose? No, I wouldn't be here to speak of uh, if I had hit a moose. Those Have you, things... you ever see those? You ever, like oh, yeah, in your yeah. backyard? Uh, not my backyard, but you can see them in Banff, which isn't too far from where I live. So you can see them all the time. They're huge. I heard they're massive, and I hear they and like they'll like break into your house and drink all your beer. Well, they're mean too. They're, they're very oh, territorial they're and very mean. Oh yeah, 
yeah, you you uh, you got to run. <laughs> so so wait, if you see them. one, will they like charge you? Yes. Oh yeah, wow! They will if it's mating season, or especially if they have little. Well, they're ones, not gonna. They, they would try you. to mate with you, would they? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> you don't know anyone. I don't who's think ever... I'm pretty enough for that. But... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but those things are as like big as like a minivan. So if you hit one of those, yeah. I mean, You're you done. probably would die. Yeah. Yeah. God, Canada, it's crazy. And you guys have like bears and Inuits. Yeah, it's a yeah. crazy, it's a crazy area that you live in. You also have one of the most notorious serial killers um, that I wanted to talk to you about, which I'm sure you remember this. How far do you live from Port Coquitlam, British Columbia? Like how far um, is that? About eight hours by car. So that's like about. Vancouver yeah. area, right? West yeah, it's side? like a suburb, suburb of Vancouver. All right, so the guy I'm talking about is Robert Picton. He's mm -hmm. a pig farmer and uh, probably one of the most notorious serial killers in uh, Canada's history, I'd say. Yeah, I think he was. Well, it's definitely in recent times. I mean, he killed, like, they say he killed, could have killed up to 49 women. Yes. You know, and uh, fed yeah. them to his pigs. So do you remember when this happened? It was like up until, I think the last murder was around 2001, and then the trial was around 2007. And that's kind of when we started, uh, we started the podcast. And I remember we had a, we had a Canadian listener who old-time um, listeners would remember. Her name was Kendra, and she was from Vancouver. And yeah. uh, she used to call in with this, all this information and updates about Robert Picton. But we yeah, never like fully covered him. But do you remember that? I do remember that. And I'd actually just moved back from Vancouver in 2000. I'd lived out there for a little while too. So um, it was it was all over the news. And it, I remember it being not far from where I lived. You know, I was reading that yeah. uh, there's been like a COVID outbreak in the prison that he's at. <laughs> <laughs> so if, if luck would have it. Um, so yeah, Robert Pickton uh, from 1978 to 2001. 65 women disappeared from the downtown Eastside District of Vancouver. And it became like one of the, the largest serial killer investigation in Canadian history. Um, ultimately, they charged a man, a pig farmer named Robert Picton, with murdering just 26 of the women, even though he claimed in a jail cell conversation, which I actually am going to play a clip of it uh, in a bit, um, that he murdered 49 women. Mm -hmm. But he was charged with uh, 26. So... I've never been to Vancouver, but is the downtown like Eastside District? Is it pretty sketchy? It's probably the equivalent of uh, the Tenderloin. It's oh, it? so it's like sketch. Canada's so, Tenderloin. Yeah, East Hastings and that area, the East Side, is is really sketch. A lot of well, Vancouver in general is just full of homeless. Um, oh, is it that like bad? I was, I was just there. It's well because it's warm and they don't do anything about it. So there's tent cities everywhere. I heard they also um, give like like San Francisco give free methadone and. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. There's there's some of that on the east side, and there's you know weed shops on every corner, and um, they don't do anything about the homeless or the drugs really. So the east side is definitely not a place you want to go at night. Wow. Yeah. yeah. How? Um, so is it just like a skid row? It's yeah. It's tent cities. It's homeless. That's pretty much what the it's, tenderloin is these days. Yeah. It's it's really quite sad and it's full of drug addicts and prostitutes but if you're an opportunistic serial killer it's probably a great place to hunt it, i imagine it, yeah <laughs> so uh, robert william picked in here uh they call him willie born in uh 1949 he was uh, raised on a family operated pig farm in port coquitlam british columbia which i 
think is north of Vancouver. Is uh, it? Yeah, it's a little northeast, I think. Okay. Um, he and his siblings sold most of the property later on after the parents died. Um, but Picton received a share of the proceeds from the real estate transactions and was a partner with his brother in a salvage company. But he still maintained a much smaller scale pig farm on his property. And he was a weirdo, this guy. Socially awkward. Um, they say he exhibited strange behaviors, <laughs> which is uh, an understatement. And he lived alone in his trailer farm, in a trailer home on the farm. So he lived on this pig farm, which isn't, you know, that's like a glaring red flag. You would think. You know, here's a, here's a guy, single weirdo living on a pig farm, serial killer for sure. Um, this is great. This guy in 1996, this is after, you know, after they sold off most of the farm and uh, Willie was just, you know, had his own pig farm. He and his brother established Piggy's Palace Good Time Society which was a charity that was used to raise funds and uh, they had dances and shows. Turned out these became like these crazy parties, like 1,700 people. Bikers would show up, uh, prostitutes. They had drug use drunkenness so that the uh, city actually ended up shutting down Piggy's Palace. Sorry, I missed that. I, I wish know. I had seen one of those. <laughs> I was about to say, this sounds great. <laughs> Although I think if I ever release an album, it's going to be called Piggy's Palace Good Time Society. That's a, a great name. <laughs> so yeah, so as you were saying, the downtown east side still is a seedy, crime-ridden just area of just cheap hotels and drug dens and drug dealers and warehouses and things like that. Yeah, very much. So yeah, they haven't changed it. Yeah, it's kind of crazy that uh, I wonder is rent is it expensive to live in Vancouver? Um, it is. You're looking at a couple grand for anywhere that's within Vancouver proper, even outside of it, you're looking at, you know, almost 1700 a month. For like a one bedroom? Two yeah. Bedroom and then the commute, like the traffic is almost as bad as LA. God, that's crazy. It's, so people are paying like two grand a month. Well, I guess that's what the Tenderloin is. Two grand a month to live like next to like, you know, trans hookers and drug dealers and things like that. So, hey. They're getting free nightlife. Yeah, yeah, entertainment. <laughs> um, so a large percentage of the girls and women that, well, that Picton hunted, but also they were, you know, they not only were involved in the sex trade, they also were drug addicts as well. And a lot of his victims were actually indigenous women too, which, yeah. well, which um, was kind of an issue. Well, and I think that's why it got ignored so much. Yeah, I think it's kind of uh, similar to, what was that guy here? The, uh, that killer that killed, I think he killed like 40 prostitutes. On the Trail of Tears or something? No, he was a, this is on recent too, blanking on his name. Black guy in the south side of, uh, south central LA. I think they call him like the Grim <gasps> Sleeper, I think his name was. And he killed, yeah, I mean, prostitutes for decades. And everyone's oh, like, oh, yeah, who yeah. cares? You know, I think it's yeah. the same deal here. It's like he was, you know, picking up, uh, you know, prostitutes and drug addicts and indigenous women and they're just like uh, who cares you know yeah um so he picked in was quite familiar with this area because i guess they had a rendering plant that his family owned for a while in that area um and that's where he disposed of a lot of the waste animal parts and so he would cruise this strip called the low track you ever been on yeah. the low track well that's it's not actually just there when you're um when you're a prostitute, there's high track and low track. So high track is for the more elite prostitutes and the higher class um, girls. And then low track is for the cheap hookers. Oh, okay. So, so you just go get the, the bargain deals on the low track. Yeah. yeah. 
just nice. a little, you know, $25 blowjob versus the $100 <laughs> special. <laughs> um, so the uh, he would cruise the low track going for the cheap hookers, offering them uh, money and drugs. And those he enticed into his vehicle, he would say, I, you want to see my pig farm? And they would go with him in his vehicle to his pig farm, which they must have been extremely high on drugs to get in a car with a man who's like, yeah, you want to see my pig farm? Oh, that'd be awful. And I read he just stunk <laughs> to high heaven too. So it's not even like, you know, he's, I've seen a picture of him. He's, he's no, he's no pretty catch. He's no, you know, Chris, no, he's kind Chris of Hemsworth. Balding and he's yeah. Creepy looking. Covered but, in pig shit. Yeah. Covered in pig shit. And he's still picking up prostitutes being like, you want to check out my pig farm? And they're like, all right, that's, uh, that's yeah. heroin. Not even once. Um, <laughs> so the 26 disappearances that were attributed to him occurred from like 1995-ish to about 2001. And there were other dis- appearances, disappearances like before and after that period, but they weren't exactly connected. They couldn't connect him yeah. uh, to these crimes due to lack of evidence. Um, but I think what you're kind of, what we were saying before is because of these marginal lifestyles and the transient habits of the victims, the police kind of just sort of ignored it. And a lot of these they crimes did. just went unnoticed. Like one woman, Sherry Rail, who's a prostitute in that area, she vanished in 1984 but her, you know, her disappearance wasn't even reported for like four years. Yeah, these people don't have families that care about them, so nobody's going to notice they're missing or they don't really care. Yeah, so I mean, Sad. it's kind of, you know, between the families not not reporting them, other hookers probably just not even really knowing their real names or real identity. It's like these people kind of go mm-hmm. unnoticed. You know, I was thinking about this. Hookers are low-hanging fruit for serial killers. Absolutely. You know, I think they're just kind of lazy, like uh, Gary Ridgway or Picton. It's just like, seriously, I mean, these women are strung out on drugs. It's like at least Dahmer had to go to like gay bars to get and picks up, pick up guys there, you know, or uh, <laughs> fucking Gacy had to put on a clown suit to go meet kids. I mean, he worked as a clown. It's like, yeah, you, know, you know, definitely I don't know. put it in the effort. I just hate these lazy serial killers. Um, so yeah, so anyway, as these disappearances started becoming more common and the rate escalated, there'd be rumors of a serial killer started circulating around uh, the east side and the low track. And so a lot of the hookers ended up uh, walking around in groups. Uh, they were writing down license plates that they noticed if, if a guy pulled up and picked a woman up in the low track, they would write these license plate numbers, give them to the cops. But the disappearances, you know, continued. And the Vancouver police wouldn't acknowledge, even though everyone said there was a serial killer, they just wouldn't acknowledge it or even consider that the missing women were dead. They were just no. kind of like, yeah, there's no bodies. So since there are no bodies, it doesn't really warrant an investigation here. And I think that's paperwork. why, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Too much paperwork here. Oh. Uh, there's some great cops. And then also on top of that, most of the women, a lot of the, the missing women were indigenous. So they're just mm-hmm. like, eh, who cares? Um, so one thing that was interesting when I was reading here is there are quite a few missed opportunities, like glaring, glaringly obvious missed opportunities where they could have picked up Picton, like years yeah. before they ever even got him. So in uh, March 22nd, 1997, a woman that Picton had taken to the farm, they picked up in the low track. She fought back when he attempted yeah. to handcuff her. Uh, she seized a kitchen knife. And they and during the struggle, both received serious stab wounds. And she like managed to stab him, run out to the road away from the pig farm, the pig farm. And she weighed down a car who then they called an ambulance and they took her to the hospital. And while she was undergoing emergency surgery, Picton was also at the same hospital getting treated for his injuries. 
And this is this is crazy too. An orderly actually found a key in his pocket that fit the handcuffs that were on the woman's wrist. Jesus Christ. So they arrested him, charged him with attempted murder and assault with a deadly weapon. But then they dropped the charges because the woman uh, was a drug addict and not considered a competent witness. And Picton was like, she was a hitchhiker and she attacked me. I was just giving her a ride. Yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I just was keeping her safe in my car with the handcuffs. Why not? I was not? just going to show her my cute pigs. You know, yeah. she's a hitchhiker. <laughs> with a handcuff, like a key that actually fit the handcuff. And cops and are like, yeah, I don't think she's, she's not a competent witness. Let's move on. And so a couple years later, in 1999, an informant actually told uh, Vancouver police that a single mother and drug addict named Lynn Ellingson, uh, she actually went to Picton's house and she found a woman's body just hanging in the slaughterhouse. Oh, my God. Like, like when you, you know, dress a pig or whatever. Uh, when questioned by the police, though, she denied the story. But then she later did admit that she actually saw, saw the body, but she feared Picton. Because, you know, she, he gave him money for, he gave her money for drugs and, uh, and he threatened like, you know, you ever talk about anything, I'll kill you. I thought she also blackmailed him for a while. She was getting like money and drugs out of him. Oh, until... that's probably, yeah, so I wonder so if he was, a... do you think he showed her that body on purpose? I think to instill some fear in her for sure. And it became kind of a, you know, I'll scratch your back, you scratch mine kind of thing. Wow, that's kind of crazy. I wonder if, like, I wonder if she actually helped him pick up women, like, uh, like the homolkas. Yeah, yeah, like the homolkas. Now that's a, that's another topic that we've never done on this either. <laughs> um, so also in 1999, there was a guy who worked for the Pictons named Bill Hiscox. Um, he called the uh, the Mounties, and he said that uh, a friend of Picton named Lisa Yelds said that uh, she told him that she's like, I've seen women's clothing, purses, and like driver's licenses at this pig farm. She's yeah. like, and I think, you know, it's the property of these missing women. And so police picked up Lisa Yeltz, questioned her. She was completely uncooperative. And she wouldn't even tell them anything, which is also kind of crazy, but makes me think maybe she feared him too. I don't know how you couldn't fear him. Like he, he had connections to the Hells Angels. I had read that he... Um... I think it was the the first one that uh, that he attempted the murder. The Hell's Angels went to visit her before trial, and that's and so she didn't show up. Oh, and she didn't even show to, up at the trial. Yeah, so they because they used to frequent his parties, and he had a lot of connections to bikers. So, so she could have been threatened too. Yeah, absolutely. I could I could see that happening. I'm amazed that he had any close friends. Like, how would you be friends with? Well, first of all, how would you be friends with a guy that smelled like pig shit? <sighs> Uh, yeah, our, our town, the town I live in smells like pig shit half the time. You get used to it. <laughs> <laughs> Why do you, do you live near a pig slaughter farm? We live near uh, a pig farm and a cattle farm. Our town is about 13,000. So there is those. So when is they're cleaning the pens, you can smell it. Is there a weirdo uh, who owns a pig this, farm? This town's full of them. <laughs> <laughs> you never know. <laughs> Don't pick you know, it, but you never know. There's an area when you're driving up to San Francisco on the uh, I-5, um, you drive right by, it's called Cowschwitz. And we've talked about, <laughs> we, we call it Cowschwitz. Yeah. But it's, uh, it's the Harris Ranch. It's this massive, like, miles-long, like, cow slaughterhouse. And yeah. I, like, I would say there's a stretch of probably about 15 miles. It just smells like shit. I couldn't imagine living in that town. Like, maybe you we, get used to it. 
you don't get used to it. Like in the summer, you can tell when they're cleaning the pens, you have to close your windows and your doors. It smells. And the east side smells worse than the west side. Like you'll come out of the, of the Walmart or whatever, and you'll literally gag because it smells like rancid pig ass. It's just Do you disgusting. hear the screams? I don't hear that, but I do hear the cattle mooing for their life sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> it's so terrible. That night, it's bad. God, that would make me vegetarian. Um <laughs> So we had, anyway, uh, Hiscox actually contacted police twice about his suspicions. And mm. both times they, they couldn't really obtain a search warrant because it's all kind of hearsay evidence. Yeah. You know, someone telling him something. So they need, like, in Canada, apparently you need an eyewitness report of criminal activity before cops will do anything. Not unless they're going to the Tim Hortons, then they're all over it. But, yeah. <laughs> the Tim Hortons. So uh, the arrest came in uh, February t- 2002. Um, I, uh, another former employee of the Picton family, uh, who is a truck driver named Scott Chubb, Mr. Chubb here, <laughs> um, he called the RCMP and he said that he had seen illegal guns in Picton's trailer home. And right. so this met the official requirement for a search warrant. And so they, uh, raided the pig farm October 5th or February 5th, 2002. And, uh, addition to finding several legal and unregistered guns, they also found quite a few items connecting missing women to the property. And so yeah. you had mentioned one particular <laughs> gun that he had modified. He did. He had a uh, loaded twenty two with a dildo on the barrel as a silencer. <laughs> I had no idea. That's like a MacGyver type of thing to do. Like, I had no <laughs> idea. Like, that takes ingenuity. I, I would never would have thought you could order an item from Adam and Eve and just stick it on a gun and use it as a silencer. But it makes sense. He's creative and crafty, that guy. Yeah. Yeah. He also, um, uh, he had some, he had some fur lined handcuffs. Um, who does some stand, uh, Well, yeah. I, I guess. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Don't look you, at my nightstand. <laughs> yeah. He had a few, few good things, but that, the dildo silencer was probably the thing that stuck out to me the most. I remember that. Well, if you ever look inside Harrison's suitcase, I mean, he's got all oh. these items, you know. Um, yeah, he's got this, like, zebra-striped suitcase. He's yeah. got everything in there. You don't even want to know what's in there. I'm sure he's got a dildo silencer, too. But, yeah, they it. found all these uh, <laughs> um, They found all these items, and so they arrested him on the weapons charges, but then they released him on bail, which is kind of crazy to think, like, all right, you've been found with all these items connecting you to, I don't know, 40 disappearances, but we're going to let you go on bail. So he was kept under surveillance and uh, not allowed to return to the pig farm while the police were conducting a thorough search under a second warrant. And so this time they discovered that fur line handcuffs, women's right. clothing, shoes, jewelry, and an asthma inhaler that was prescribed to one of the uh, missing women uh, named Serena Abatswe, an indigenous lady. But yeah, so I mean, at that point, that's like damning evidence. So uh, they ended up arresting him again, charging him with two counts of murder and eventually uh, 26 murder charges against this guy. Um, but this is what's kind of crazy. So the, a lot of information came out that the jury never even heard because yeah. I guess like uh, Canada law like suppresses a lot of evidence. Publication bans, yeah. A lot of it's blacked out and they never release it. But they feel that too that a lot of information could bias someone, bias a jury member against uh yeah. you know against a defendant so they they just 
strike it from the record so as if it doesn't exist but this all came out later yeah. though um yeah. so anyway uh th he shared a cell with an undercover officer who he believed was another detainee and uh yeah they had like a full-on conversation where Picton confessed to murdering 49 women said he wanted to make it 50. um mm -hmm. here i got a little clip from it here which i thought this i mean i don't i don't know if they do that here as often but Apparently, here he is in his cell uh, with a guy. It's kind of hard to understand. They got me. No. And the officer's like, no, no shit. And he's just sitting here eating. It looks like beans or something. And he goes, this the officer's like, fuck, what have they got? And that's a Picton's like, carcasses. Old carcasses of DNA. The officer's like, come on, buddy, that's nothing. They can't finalize it. And that's part of the problem is they didn't have the bodies because yeah, the pigs. Yeah, and pigs will eat everything ex except yeah. what amazes me is why would the guy keep all the property, like the, the, the shirts? Oh yeah, best way to this is best way to fucking dispose of something is fucking take it to the ocean and pick things like really. <laughs> um, it's actually a great video. You should check it out. It just shows him just sitting there having this candid conversation with this undercover officer. But what's funny is the jury saw portions of the tape when he's speaking to the uh, cellmate. But what they edited out is hilarious. So when the cellmate, when the cop left, picked mm -hmm. in immediately, and he knew he was being, you know, under surveillance. He knew there was a camera there. Picked and stripped off his clothes and just started masturbating in the jail cell. Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> the jury didn't get to see that. Um, so anyway, meanwhile, during this time while he's arrested, uh, the pig farm became just a massive crime scene. And I remember this. This is like, yeah, right around 2006, 2007. Uh, Kendra was sending us like weekly updates on this. Um, yeah. But uh, forensic e experts needed heavy equipment to sift through 383,000 cubic yards of soil in search of human remains. And the investigation cost upwards of $70 million. Yeah, it cost a small fortune and, and the property was so huge. Like it just, that it was all consuming. It's all they did. 200,000 DNA samples and 600,000 exhibits. It's a lot of pig shit to sift through if you think about uh, it. It must have smelled uh, terrible. You just smell it in your nose for weeks. So when, uh, where were you living in 2007? Were you in Vancouver or were you in uh, Calgary? I was, I had just moved back from Texas, actually. So I was back in Calgary. And so was this like a, you know, headline dominating thing? Like were people talking about it all the time at the, at the Tim Hortons? Yes. <laughs> it was, it was a topic of discussion <laughs> in the drive through for sure. I mean, it's yeah, a pretty no, big it was, deal. Were, it was huge. Cause I mean, Canada and everybody's so nice and friendly and it's, it's pretty quiet here. Like we, we have, I think that off the top of my head, I can think of the three killers, the the Asian guy that, or whatever that oh, killed Magnata. all that. Luke McNada too, he was one. Oh, McNada, yeah, that yeah. guy, and then the Hamulkas, and Hamulkas, then this guy, yeah. like that's that's kind of it. Like it, so when He's this hit, it was huge. hookers to his pigs, eh? Yeah. <laughs> oh, look at that there, don't you know? <laughs> <laughs> so they did find a widespread evidence on Picton's farm that linked him to the other 20 women he was charged with killing. Uh, but a lot of these details, as I mentioned before, were, were excluded. And it's kind of weird. And it came out later that 
The DNA of 10 of the women that was found on items in two freezers in Picton's workshop. Um, they found uh, butchered remains of two, of two women in there that he was convicted of killing. Uh, also in the freezers were packages of ground meat yeah. containing DNA of two victims, Inga Hall and Cindy Felix. So he was yeah. like grinding them up. I'm wondering if he was eating them. Well, I think they they thought he was actually because he sold the 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 pigs for pork. So there's theory that he ground them up and fed them to the pigs. And then when he slaughtered the pigs, he would also incorporate some of the human flesh oh, the human and then flesh sell in it. There. Wow. Yeah, and then sell it. So they had to do an actual recall of a whole bunch of pork because they were afraid that the bodies were in the pork that was sold. I mean, no one knows what's in hot dogs, you know? Probably has oh. some hooker meat in those hot dogs. <laughs> Maybe a <God>. little. <laughs> He's like uh, like Canada's leather face. You I, know? I, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, they found multiple objects linking him to 20 of the victims. He found the, the handcuffs. Uh, he found two condoms inside purses that uh, belonged to uh, two of the victims. Um, this is great. The crown, which is, that's, that's like the court, right? The crown? The crown is the uh, prosecutor. The prosecutor, okay. So the yeah. crown argued that a blow-up sex doll that was bearing Picton's DNA was found in his bedroom belonging to the, and uh, near items that belonged to the victims. And uh, because of the potential sexual nature of Mr. Picton's dealings with the women, the judge, I guess, agreed with the defense that it would tarnish his character. So they um, <laughs> just didn't mention the doll. But the doll had like a really peculiar and bizarre appearance. I mean, it was like this deformed-looking thing. Like, who, like I, yeah, I could. I was looking for a picture to try to see if there's a picture of Picton's like sex doll. Like <laughs> but pig no, it, like or pig boy or <laughs> yeah, I don't know if he like made it look like a, like a pig, like Miss Piggy or yeah. something, oh, yeah, <laughs> which could have happened. <laughs> um, but the thought that Picton engaged in sexual activity with this item could reasonably be expected to repulse members of the jury. So they feel like it would be, it would bias them if they like showed them a picture or brought the doll out in court. It's so Canadian to think that we're worried about his reputation and don't want to tarnish it. Like, well, I mean, know. maybe, yeah, it's just, it's like, you're so polite. You're like, oh, well, we yeah. don't want people to like have, you know, a negative opinion of the serial killer if we show exactly. him this fucked up looking sex doll. <laughs> um, but yeah, so, you know, who knows? Like the jury, it took 10 days for them to deliberate, to deliberate on it and come back with a verdict, a guilty verdict, and charge him with, uh, you know, 26 of the, uh, the murders. Um, but who knows? I mean, if, you know, if they gave him a lot of this other evidence, some of this evidence brought forth, you know, probably would have taken like, I'm surprised it didn't take like 20 minutes for them to come to an, you know, uh, an agreement on this. They're actually, it was just in the news, I think, two days ago they're talking about destroying all the evidence not keeping it anymore i mean i you know he uh that was a thing too like a lot of the there were family members whose missing relatives uh he wasn't tried for their for their crimes and that's yeah. the thing they, they were saying that you know that there is evidence that he you know murdered others but then the uh i guess the supreme uh, court of canada was like yeah we're not going to bother trying that so no, he's only been charged only of 26 He's actually only convicted of six. There was 20 more that they didn't bother because here you don't get the death penalty and it would be concurrent anyways. Like he's in there till he dies. So it didn't really, they're like, 
you know, no more money, no more time, whatever. Cause they said it would take years to try all of them. So they just picked the just six best ones yeah. and then just said that was it. So now mm-hmm. they're talking about destroying everything from the trial. But imagine the families of the victims' families must just be distraught yeah. over this because now there's no closure for them. There's no justice. Like, yeah, he's there for life, but yeah, you he's know, like, a life imprisonment in a federal penitentiary. No, no possibility of parole for 25 years. Yeah, I think his parole comes up. Um, I want to say 2032. I don't think he's going to get it. Um, but yeah, he claimed to have murdered 49 women and was only convicted of six charges in mm-hmm. the initial trial. And they kept it, prosecutors kept it open of trying him on the other 20 charges at a later date, but they ended up just yeah. dropping it. So it never actually happened. Oh. Um, no. Now, this is kind of interesting. So in 2016, only a few years ago, an autobiographical book titled yeah. Picton in his own words that was allegedly written by Picton was smuggled out of prison and was published by a publisher in Colorado called Outskirts Press. And it was briefly on sale on Amazon, which uh, had I known about that, I would pick this up for sure. Um, be one of those eBay things. Maybe you can find it. And I'm going to take a, I'm sure like a lot of our audience probably is going to be searching for this after the, after this, but, uh, the book was, was selling for $25 on Amazon and it was published by a retired California construction worker named Michael Ch- uh, Childress, who I'm going to try to, I'm going to reach out to that guy, see if we can get him on the show. But in it, uh, Picton claims that he was the fall guy in a justice system that wrongfully convicted him for the murders of six women. So he, yeah, he insinuated that there was like, you know, biker gangs that were actually committing the real murders and he was blamed for it. He, I mean, he was with the Hells Angels. Maybe he helped them do some illegal things, but yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, no damn way. Well, I mean, there's also evidence that you can't really argue with (laughs) like DNA evidence, you know, with your gun dildos and fur handcuffs. Yeah, and his his bloody boots and his overalls and like no. But the book sounds great. Uh, it's riddled with Bible passages, run-on sentences, God. grammatical errors, and it's perfectly legal. And that's crazy. There's no yeah. federal law in Canada preventing prisoners from profiting Profit. by recounting yeah. their crimes. So no son yeah. of Sam law. No, we're kind of uh, bass backwards here. I, I, we protect the the criminals way too much. I don't yeah, get it. It's crazy to me. You know, it's. Here, I think it was in 77, uh, David Berkowitz, you know, tried to, was offered all these book deals, like lucrative book deals. So they passed this, uh, and he did release a book called Son of Hope, uh, but didn't make any money off of it because these Son of Sam laws that were passed during those years. And apparently, like, uh, the federal government in Canada tried to do, some legislation was was, uh, proposed, but just they never passed it into a law. Yeah, I don't, I don't remember them trying, but it wouldn't surprise me if they didn't bother. <laughs> so, yeah, he blames the Hells Angels for, for a lot of the murders and said the case against him is a conspiracy theory linked to a bizarre incident, which I think he oh, meant yeah. incident. Um, he also <laughs> said he's a greenhorn, quote, who has little experience about women over sexual intercourse as sex is sin without marriage. Oh, okay. So he's like a weird uh, Bible thumper too. Um, I love the guy though that uh, that published the book. He was like, you know, don't shoot the messenger. I didn't know what you know what this guy had done. I had to look it up on Wikipedia. But apparently, 
one of, uh, I don't know, a, a, not, not a cellmate, but a guy that uh, Picton was friends with in prison. This guy was like a child molester and was in prison oh. for being a pedophile. He smuggled out this book that uh, Picton wrote and sent it to uh, Childress, who then uh, had someone, and it was just all handwritten. Like yeah. in a notebook and then he had someone type it up and uh yeah he like ended up going to outskirts press which is a self uh self-publisher and it took about a year twenty five hundred dollars and then uh, in on facebook he was like i published a book he made a comment on you know made a post about it you're just like you published a book about <laughs> like the autobiography of a pig farmer serial killer and you're you know, proud of that yeah you're proud of that wow. you're proud of it um so yeah i guess uh you know, the guy didn't think it was that big of a deal, and uh, but Amazon freaked out about it and took the took the book down. And uh, one of the uh, one of these Canadian uh, Crown prosecutors said the public should be more concerned about the kind of people who would willingly purchase a serial killer's book, <laughs> you know, than about the fact that Pickton had even written in the first place. And I was like, well, that's like our entire audience. That's what I was gonna say. Half the <laughs> sick and wrong fans right there, great. <laughs> so yeah, after we're done with this, I'm gonna see if I can find a copy of that. Um, get it on the dark web and, and do a VPN so nobody can see that you I'm, bought it. <laughs> I'm going to do an audio. I'm going to do like an audible, like an audible book or something. <laughs> just me on Patreon. I'll like release it. Just me reading the book. Anyway. Yeah. Picton. Uh, definitely one of Canada's most notorious serial killers. When we do um, it, we do it right. Yeah. He, he was great. He's uh, yeah. I would say he's probably my favorite Canadian serial killer. Although you guys don't have as many as we do, but who knows? You know, who knows? A lot of pig farmers up there. Yeah, a lot of pig farmers up there. Yep. Anyway, people, this is episode 757 here of Sick and Wrong. We have some news stories coming up next. We have some phone calls a little later in the show. Uh, but first, here's a word about our Patreon page. Hi, this is Wolford Brimley. And if you're anything like me, you can't get enough of Sick and Wrong. Sick and wrong helps me with my diabetes. How's that? Because I subscribe to Sick and Wrong's Patreon. I get extra shows, extra phone calls, and it's just the right thing to do to support these two dirty fucking Jews. Again, I'm Wilford Brimley, signing off for Sick and Wrong. So the first story we have here uh, has to do with a this family who discovers dismembered remains in a visiting relative's luggage. Did you hear about this story? No, I didn't. Yeah, this guy, a 30-year-old man, has been charged after allegedly bringing dismembered human remains in his luggage to visit his family in uh, Markham, Kentucky. Or Markham, oh, Illinois. I'm sorry, Markham, Illinois. Oh my God. Um, so this guy, he uh, he's estranged from his family. hadn't seen them in years, and he's living in uh, living in um, in Kentucky. Went to go visit them in in Illinois. Melvin Martin Jr., 30 years old. Yeah. Um, he's going to be extra, extradited to Kentucky, but for uh, for these for a charge of murder and domestic violence. So police said that uh, Melvin here took a Greyhound bus. From his home in Louisville to Chicago, of course, a Greyhound bus. Oh, I was just um, going to say Greyhound bus. I know that well, too. <laughs> always good. Do you guys have Greyhound up in Canada? We do. And we had the guy that beheaded 
the guy on the uh, Greyhound bus. Oh my God, that was one of the. That was a great story. I forgot about that. That <laughs> maniac who just like yes. sawed off that guy's head. Uh, and didn't they lock him in the bus? Uh, they did. They locked him in the bus with the guy he ended up beheading. <laughs> and he like he beheaded a hippie. Yeah, and he, he stood at the door holding the head. Holding the head. Yeah. Oh, that was a great. That was a great story. He is out living his life like. Oh like wait, nothing they, now. what? He's not oh, yeah. in prison. No, they put him in a mental institution and then they let him out a few years later. Said he's reformed and he take, took his meds and he's been out for, oh God, probably five, six years now. Is he allowed back on Greyhound? <laughs> no, Red Arrow. <laughs> <laughs> so this guy took a Greyhound bus. Um, one of the sketchiest, most sketchiest forms of travel here. Um, yeah. From his home to Louis, Louisville, Chicago last Friday to travel to his mother's home in South in the South Illinois suburb called Markham. And he traveled with multiple bags of his girlfriend's Jesus. remains. So leads me to think she must have been a large woman, you know, can't just fit in one. <laughs> you gotta like, it's not a carry-on. Yeah, she's not a carry-on. <laughs> carry you got to have something, hopefully with wheels. Um, the mother is devastated, devastated. The neighbor here, Hazel Brown, said, I think she's going to need a lot of help after this. I feel really sorry for her. Um, I guess the mother tried to explain to her what happened. Apparently, she and her son had been estranged for over 10 years. She hadn't spoke mm -hmm. to him. And they're, you know, this is kind of like a mother and child reunion here, like the Paul Simon song, <laughs> but didn't exactly work out. However, I can kind of understand why you'd be estranged from this guy. You uh, yeah. Know? It's like, she I did name him Melvin after yeah. all, so it's her fault. <laughs> well, I'm but... not going to invite you over for Thanksgiving because you're weird, <laughs> Melvin. So investigators believe that Melvin Martin killed the his 31-year-old girlfriend um, last month. And uh, they discovered a head and other body parts in uh, these three bags that he was carrying. So it makes me wonder, like, what the plan was here. Like, it seems like a very physically exerting way to dispose of a corpse. I'm thinking maybe he wanted her to meet his family and she said no. And he's like, well, you're coming to meet my mother, whether you like it or not. You yeah, know? It's not up to you here. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and he didn't want to pay for the extra bus ticket. I don't know. Yeah, just uh, just put her in the luggage. This is my theory. I think what he was trying to do was he was going to wall up the body in his mom's cellar. Oh, yeah. Because that's a great place to dispose of a corpse. Like Batman villain or Boner villain. Boner villain? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but Boner villain would never Boner villain would never have a girlfriend, so it's kind of a, No, I guess not. <laughs> it's kind of null and void. But yeah, I think cuz you think about it, it's like if he tried to dispose of the corpse in Louisville, it's difficult. Like I don't know. Yep. I mean, you could try to do it in your bathtub or put a suitcase in a river or something. Whereas like if you wall her up in your mom's basement, she'll probably never be found. Who would no. ever suspect that? Yeah, they in different different state, you know, she's yeah. she's good to go. I don't know what happened and um, mom will never notice. Yeah, she probably would notice as long as you wrap her up in like, you know, freezer bags or something, maintain the smell. Um so uh the police chief here said it was a particularly heinous crime and that the offender dismembered her body. And so he shows up, you know, after years of not seeing his mother. And uh, they had like a, you know, a family gathering. Everyone was like, oh, Melvin's here, you know. And, but Melvin's relatives said it was weird that he kept asking them if they had any clothing. Because <laughs> he had like three bags with him. And he never opened the bags. And so they're like, this is odd. What's in the bags? You know. Just... And so a couple days after he arrived, 
borrowed his relative's clothing. Um, he left his mom's house. He went to the public library, which is another oh. thing weirdos tend to do. Big you old know, red flag, yeah. Go look at porn at the public library. While he was there, a curious relative was like, I'm looking inside this bag. Okay. Would, you, would you do that? That'd be Absolutely, the first I thing would. I would do. I'd be yeah. dying to know what's in weird Uncle Melvin's bag. Oh, yeah. Because you know what they called him that. He was the weird uncle. It, wasn't that the guy's name in um, Office Space 2, Melvin? In Office Space? Was it the guy with the red with the stapler? stapler? Was, it, was yeah. it Melvin? I think it's Melvin. I haven't seen that in years. Such a good movie. Um, but yeah, I'd be run into those suitcases the minute he walked out yeah, the door. Yeah, as soon as he walked out the door, I, I bet you they were all like, what's in the bags? Yeah. You know, we got to find this out. So they opened it up, and sure, they found body parts inside. So then they immediately called the police. Um, the, his mother called 911 because she, not only did they see the, uh, you know, the body parts, there's also a foul odor that was coming from the luggage in her living room. <laughs> I hadn't noticed that before. <laughs> yeah. But, but what's funny to me is that I was thinking like, God, no one noticed it on the Greyhound bus. But then again, people don't oh, smell people all that great on the Greyhound bus. So no, it probably yeah. just blended right in. Yeah. You know, it's just, that's just, that's just atmosphere. Yeah. Um, so he was taken into custody at the library and, uh, they law enforcement from Louisville then traveled to Illinois to interview the suspect. Initially he resisted, but now he's cooperating fully with law enforcement. Um, he said that he brought the remains with him because quote, he wanted to remain with his girlfriend or at least a part of his girlfriend. Uh, he could bring a sweater that smells like her. He did. <laughs> Maybe. I mean, I, I think maybe I think you're I think you're right. I think she's like, I don't want to meet your fucking family. Yeah. Sucks. And then he's like, no, you're going to meet my family one way or one another. Way or another. You know? yeah. uh, but I agree. You know, sometimes you it's hard to let go. Like, did you keep any pieces of the deer that you hit? I I looked on the grill to see if there was any fur, but sadly, no. <laughs> would you have <laughs> kept like gonna... if you had like the, the skull, like if it was like preserved, would you have kept that? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> you know what's funny? I don't want to um, staring at me every night. When my sister got married, uh, it was like a, her uh, her big chair had a bachelor party and they came down here and we hung out. We went to this place called Wacko, which is like a weird bookstore, but they sell a lot of weird taxidermy shit. And so I bought this like deer leg. It's like, I oh. can show it to you in a second, but it's like a deer leg with a hoof on it. And it's yeah. like, yeah, just this like, I don't know, taxidermy lake. And so I bought my sister for her, uh, when they got married, I just kind of wrapped it up and just gave him I, I bought her a bunch of shit, but I like put that in, wrapped it up and she freaked out because my sister, well, obviously cause it's like a severed deer hoof. And yeah. so this gift has been being passed around for years now. Like they've married seven years between my brother, me and my sister. And so uh, recently she got me a housewarming gift when I moved in here. And I haven't seen the leg in probably three years. Yeah. And uh, I get this housewarming gift, open it up, and sure enough, what is it? It's this deer leg. hoof. Yeah. So I got this deer <laughs> hoof. I'm, I'm waiting for uh, her birthday next year. And, uh, Can you she'll turn get it, it into back. a lamp? Make it a, make yeah, it a lamp I should, for I probably her? could. I was thinking of turning it into a that? dildo. Oh, there you go. <laughs> Give it to give it to your brother. Oh, he'd probably yeah a deer yeah, a deer go. hoof butt plug. My brother. Yeah, be I was just that. gonna say that. Yeah, be way better that. than the other one you got. Do you think uh, Melvin spoke to her in the suitcase while they were traveling? I'm sure he explained <laughs> all the sights to her as they went. Look, dear, there's the mountains. There's some sunrises. There's. 
He probably hummed that Paul Simon song, Mother and Child Reunion, <laughs> rubbing the yeah, suitcase. Explain, we're almost at Mother's house. Can't wait for you to meet Mother. <laughs> I love uh, the neighbors here. Um, this neighbor, Reginald King, he's like, it's just hard to grasp that someone could do something like this. You see it in the movies, but when it happens in your neighborhood, it's like, wow. Damn right. It's like, wow. It's like, <laughs> wow. So Martin was uh, staying in Markham for about a week after supposedly he lost his home in Louisville. Um, when he went back to Kentucky, he took investigators uh, to the location of all of his, uh, the rest of his girlfriend's remains, which apparently, I guess he dumped in a park. Oh. Near so a home. Yeah, near their, uh, their home. So he, I don't know. he didn't take all of her, just the best parts or the parts that I, he wanted maybe to use later. Took, yeah. Like he, <laughs> that he wanted to yeah. use later. Like yeah, the midsection. <laughs> he took the thinking. useful parts, yeah. Um, police said there's no danger to residents of Markham, and this is an isolated incident. But they, have been, they haven't positively uh, identified the victim yet because they need to do dental records and then notify the next of kin first. Jesus. I wonder what her family thought of her weird boyfriend. This guy looks like, he looks like he's like a serial killer that's like at learning disabilities. Oh, God. Well, not a serial I, killer, but just like a, a murderer just learning disabilities. It, yeah, I'm sure they were thrilled that she was dating him. <laughs> I just think it's funny that after like, you know, 10 years of not speaking to your mom, you show up with your girlfriend's body parts in a suitcase. You know, you could just tell like the mom's like, and now you know why I don't. I don't ever speak about my son. Well, most people bring a jello mold. They don't bring, you know, their girlfriend <laughs> all in pieces. Dismembered remains of their girlfriend, yeah. Yeah. Oh, hell of a way to reunite. Oh, yeah. Second story we have here uh, has to do, uh, occurred in L.A. This is like a, an L.A. story. Um, also has to do with a bus. That's, that's something, that's like when you move to L.A., you learn really quickly that you never ride the bus. I've never no. been on the bus. I've been here, I don't know, almost, what, eight, nine years? Never been on the bus. Not even once. I, I imagine, like, I've been to West Hollywood, and I've seen the, the Walk of Fame of, and all the people kind of in that world. So I imagine that it's like that, and there's no chance in hell I'd take the bus. Yeah, no, it's sketchy. I mean, I've been on the, uh, they have a metro here that doesn't really go anywhere. It's like an underground train, and mm-hmm. that's pretty sketchy, too. Um, but I mean, I don't know. I've been on that one. That's all right. You can go to downtown, but I've never been on a bus. Like is LA it, buses just look gnarly. Is it worse than San Francisco? That's a good question. I've been on San Francisco. It's kind of hard not to take the bus in San Francisco because oh. they're, they're sort of ubiquitous. And the other thing too, like you can just walk on them and then they don't even care about you having to pay for it. So it's just kind of yeah. like the buses, but yeah, you're right. There's a good chance you're on a bus and there'll be like a trans hooker giving another homeless person a blow job right next to you. Oh, or like I've been on the bus a few times where it's just like, God, it just smells like urine. And then you sit, sit up and you notice like the entire seat next to you is just damp with a homeless guy's urine. You know, uh, it's just, yeah, San Francisco buses are disgusting. They're gross. Um, but L.A. buses, I don't know. It's just, I just have never been on the bus. I find them extremely sketchy here. And this is a, this is a good case in point here. So a man was charged after trying to kidnap a girl, six years old, in front of her blind father. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, how terrible is that? Um, this man's in custody after trying to kidnap the six-year-old girl in front of the blind father, Elijah Lopez, 24, Arrested and charged with one count of attempted kidnapping after he tried to kidnap this child. 
So according to authorities here, Lopez saw the girl and her father walking in Huntington Park, California. That's kind of like sort of south central area over here, south okay. of uh, Hollywood, kind of near Inglewood. Um, he oh, saw okay. them. Yeah, he saw them walking around and they, they got on a bus. And so then Lopez continued to stalk the father daughter pair, got on the bus with them. Once, uh, once they were off the bus, he approached them right outside their home. And he tried to grab the girl from the oh. father, but the father like struggled with him. And then bystanders came over, came to the girl's aid, and then he just took off. And wow. they let her arrested him in San Diego. Um, he's pled not guilty of the felony charge, but he's due in court uh, September 18th. And he could face a maximum of 23 years just for an attempted kidnapping. Oh, shit. You know, um, which, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm surprised Canada is that lenient. What would you get in Canada for that? Canada? Um, oh, Christ, I mean, probably. letting out the, the guy who beheaded the hippie on the Greyhound bus. Well, they didn't even put him in jail. They just, uh, uh, yeah. So, I, I mean, probably a year, year or two, max. God. Yeah, that's uh, crazy. You don't get anything here. <laughs> is it kind of because it's, uh, I mean, you guys are, I, I guess, are what, a, a territory of England? Is it under, is it because of British um, law? It's, it, we're, we're not the Commonwealth. I don't know. The Queen is still our Queen, even though we have a Prime Minister and our own courts and and laws. But it's does just, she have it's any really... jurisdiction over uh, Canada? Like, can she guys? Can she tell you guys what to do? She could, I guess, technically, but I don't think. I think it was. I think it was uh, so horrible with Canada. I know U.S. history better, which is horrible because <laughs> they teach us all that in school, and I know shit about my own country. Wait, but... they don't teach Canadian history. They taught us about the voyagers that would cruise around getting, they, you know, trapping animals. They do, but I remember studying U.S. government and U.S. history a lot more, like I and like the cotton gin and industrial revolution, and I, I'm really bad with Canadian history. I could, I, I can you barely did. remember our prime minister's name. <laughs> The only Canadian history I know of is uh, from Kids in the Hall. That's pretty much how oh. I've learned everything about Canada. <laughs> I learned a lot. You can learn a lot from SCTV, too. There. Oh, yeah, SCTV. Yeah, yeah Wacker yeah. was such a fan of SCTV. He had, I like, the box SCTV. set. Oh, it was great. Yeah, Eugene Levy, everyone, John Candy, Rick Moranis, everybody. Uh, yeah, I loved it. But, yeah, you'd probably only get one to two years for that. It's it's pretty lenient here. Nobody gets anything out here. God, too nice. Um, so what the uh, victims here was Caesar Palma, blind, a blind father, and his daughter Selena, who was six years old, where uh, they got on this uh, bus and witnesses overheard Lopez walk up to him and ask the father, can I take your child home? <laughs> like, what an odd abduction technique. So this 24-year-old man walks up to a blind father with a six-year-old little girl and is like, hey, can I take your child home? She looks good. Can I have her, please? Well, it's like, what, what the go. fuck? She's not a library right. book. You can't check no. her out. That's not how it works. <laughs> I just want to know what his thought process, like, what do you think the guy was like? Oh, sure. Here you go. Here, just bring her back by dinner time. Like, yeah. <laughs> you seem like a nice man. Yeah. yeah. Just go, go have fun. Go on your way. Jeez. So anyway, he did that. And uh, I guess the public that was on the, on the bus were like, Leave the guy alone, you know, leave this man alone. And they started shouting at him. And you would think that would, you know, Lopez would just get off the bus because now, you know, he's obviously not going to be able to check out the six-year-old child. Yeah. Um, and the public was yelling at him. You know, 
I think you know that's it's weird. This is I mean this is exactly why you don't ride the bus in LA to avoid circumstances like this, but it would yeah. be a weird situation if you're sitting on the bus, some guys going up to a father and his daughter and is asking if he could take the girl. I don't know what I would do in that situation. I would probably kick him in the nuts like or Would you would you like go into fight mode for this guy's daughter? Absolutely. Yeah, I I would, I would be like shit. what the fuck is wrong with you? Yeah, I probably I would, would do, lose I, my shit. Yeah, I would probably, I would probably just be like, "What the fuck, dude?" However, I mean, I don't, I th- and I think that's what kind of happened. Like, uh, you know, the other commuters were like, "What the fuck are you doing? You can't take the girl. Like, it's not your kid." I think if I saw it and it wasn't my kid, I'd be so in shock at first. But then, yeah, they like shout, "Like, are you? What the fuck are you on?" Like, <laughs> I, yeah, I would just be like, "What do you? What are you talking Stunned. about?" Yeah. <laughs> you know, and then see what would happen. So anyway. Um, yeah, he just, uh, was on the bus line. He was disturbing them. A lot of the other fellow Angelinos were like, leave the guy alone. And so the, uh, father and the daughter got off, you know, got off the bus and then uh, we're walking home and that's when he tried to grab the girl and run with her. And so then neighbors, so Palmer recounts the incident when he's, he was talking to reporters and he said that neighbors stepped in to help fend off the would be kidnapper. He said he tried to grab her. And I turned around and started yelling at him, you know, stay, I love how he says, stay the quote, bad word away from us. (laughs) (laughs) He says, stay the bad word away from us. And that's when all the neighbors stepped in and, uh, you know, he, then he started walking away and then he ran away. He's like, I, he goes, my first instinct was to turn around and fight him. But then I thought if I let my daughter go, you know, he'll just run away with her. And what am I going to do? You know, he's blind, obviously. Yeah. He wouldn't be able to see where he went. Yeah, it's not like you could chase after him. Uh, He said, it's unsafe out there. There's a lot of crazy people. So just hold on to your kids. Don't let them wander off because anything could happen. Hide your kids, hide your wife. They're raping everybody over here. (laughs) Is that the quote? Um, It's something like that. (laughs) But yeah, you know, it reminds me of uh, when the Night Stalker, Richard Ramirez, sometimes it's it's almost beautiful when you look at like a community that comes together like this. So um, the Night Stalker, Richard Ramirez, was like terrorizing, you know, a lot of Eastern L.A., East L.A. neighborhoods going in and raping and murdering people. And then someone, I think he tried to do it or tried to rob somebody and then someone fought him off and then everybody in the neighborhood just like collectively came together and just stomped the shit out of of them. Yeah. Yeah. I remember that. And then held them until the police arrived. So it's kind of like in this situation, it's like this guy's trying to kidnap a little girl from her blind father. I'm sure the neighborhood was just like, especially down there, which is kind of a sketchy area. We're just like, Oh, we're beating the shit out of this guy. Yeah. (laughs) So he's lucky he actually made it out there, uh, you know, out of this alive, but 23 years what he faces. So you have kids, you have kids. How did you, what, would, did you like force them to live in fear of kidnappers? Cause I remember my parents, my parents, when uh, I was a kid, before we moved to South Africa, it was around mm-hmm. 1981, I think the whole Adam Walsh thing happened. Do you remember this? Uh, I only knew about that after the fact it was, I, I know who he is and I remember like, well, he was John when, Walsh from America's yeah, Most Wanted. He was his little boy and that's what inspired him to start the series. But yeah. I remember as a kid, because we had been living in Florida and then we moved to Alabama and I think it, that was right before we actually moved to South Africa. It was around like 80, 81. Adam Walsh 
was kidnapped at a, I think at like a department store or a mall or something. And then they found his head oh. in like a, a rowboat, just on a boat. They just found the kid's head in this boat. And then, oh, you shit. know, then they later found the murderer and all that. And I, I think he like, you know, murdered and raped the body and all this stuff. My mom would bring that up every time we went to the mall. She's like, you wander off. You'll end up like Adam Walsh with your head in the boat. And I just lived in fear. I was terrified of kidnappers. So I would just be like, you know, holding onto her hand when we're, you know, I'm like five years old, just like, yeah, I'm not fucking, I don't want to have my head severed off, you know, and, and found in a boat. So yeah, I was like terrified and it worked, I, you know, I never took candy from strangers. I was never scared like that as a kid. I don't remember that being a thing. I was probably five or six, I guess, when that would have happened, and I don't remember it. And I was on my own, like taking the city bus and staying on my own before and after school since I was nine. So I didn't have that that fear. And I remember letting my kids go to the park by themselves for the first time when they were, I think, four and six. Wait, and then you I let them go by themselves at age six? Yeah, I, my oldest, and I let him take his little brother, who was four. But... I followed behind them the whole way and like hid Wearing behind cars and well, yeah, a little mustache <laughs> and a hat, a parka. And <laughs> wait, were you just behind. doing it as a test to see like what what they yes. would do? Yeah, I was watching to see um, that they would be okay. And I kind of the whole time like stayed kind of behind the cars and kind of hid in the bushes like that creeper and watched <laughs> and made sure they were okay. What did the other Canadians do? Like there's this weird lady wearing a mustache and a trench coat hiding in the bushes <laughs> staring at these two kids. Everybody minds their own business. Nobody cares. <laughs> One in Canada, I guess. Yeah. So did you, you didn't them. tell them about stranger danger? I guess we did. It was just, yeah. I mean, you, you talk about don't, don't go with strangers. Don't, we live in a small town where everybody knows everybody. And yeah, it's, it's probably it's not, not as much of an issue. Prevalent. Like we leave our doors unlocked still sometimes and you know, they're out till dark. And I, I like that I'm in a smaller community where I'm not so worried about it. Um, yeah. So it's never yeah, really, you, I guess when you live in like a bigger city or, well, yeah, I lived in a, a big, big city. I, I just, my mom, I guess, kind of, you know, raised me as, as an older kid kind of thing anyway. So I was never really scared. I never, it never dawned on me to be scared. So I don't think I ever instilled that fear in them. I just kind of. That's probably, yeah, probably for the best because I was terrified for years <laughs> until, <laughs> until I realized like, I well, would be too. yeah, you know, and, and until I realized like, I don't have to be that scared of it, but, but yeah, you know, I mean. It is kind of crazy, though, that uh, you just would never think that you just like sitting there holding your kid's hand and someone would just try to snatch the kid like that and run off, you know? I've even gotten mad once when my older one, he was throwing a tantrum or whatever, when we were driving, I, I think, to the store, and I got so mad, I opened the car door and said, get out. <laughs> You're just like, walk home. <laughs> yeah, I was like, get out, that's it. And I think he was about five. <laughs> I made him get out of the car. You so. need to write a book on parenting. Uh, I would, it would be a bestseller. I'm a parent of the year for sure. <laughs> yeah, get get a Robert Picton's publisher. He, he'll there do it. Go. He'll publish it. Uh, people send your stories to gmail.com. We have some phone calls coming up next. 323-522-4032 is that number. Before we get to that, here's a word from Adam and Eve. Hey, guys. It's me, Stephen. I'm a huge fan of your show. Thanks to your awesome coupon code, Diddle, I can buy myself loads of good sex toys. 
since both of my wives died. And my Luke Eric's disease got pretty bad. Let's just say things in the bedroom got pretty boring. But thanks to adamandeve.com and coupon code DIDDLE D-I-D-D-L-E I am now a new man. Thanks. So we got a few phone calls to get to here. 323-522-4032. You know, I posted on the Facebook page that a lot of the calls that we've been getting the past week were just lame. Like Saw a lot that. of them saying like talking shit about Harrison and then also just just like these like 10 second calls. Like, you know, if, if you want to get on the show, you got to have at least like a minute. You got to say something of substance. A good um, story. Yeah. yeah, or like a good story or something. So anyway, when I did that, I posted about it. A few people called in, and we did get some good calls. But I encourage everybody, 323-522-4032, call in a good story. Let us know about your quarantine, um, your masturbation mishaps, because you know that's what's been happening. You know people have been walking in on you wanking. Guaranteed that's happened in the quarantine. Well, and if you're from BC, you've got to have some glory hole stories. I mean, um, that's what they're sure. encouraging, right? So that's, that's that, isn't that the yeah. thing in, in British Columbia? Like uh, the is. CDC or, over there is just like, yeah, you got to go to glory holes, safe yeah, sex no, nowadays. No kissing, wear masks, and use glory holes. <laughs> so call three two three five two two four zero three two and keep it under three minutes. So this is a good call that came in um, from uh, a person named Minx. 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 Hi, Dean Harrison. Um, this is Minx with Attitude. I wrote to you ages ago trying to uh, get a date with Epic Farter. That hasn't happened. Um, she wanted a date with Epic Farter. Why? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Maybe she's into farts. I'm not sure. Um, yeah, brave woman here. You yeah. know, uh, Minx, he's on Facebook. You, you could hook up with him pretty easily on Facebook. And he's single now, you know. I think his wife couldn't take the gas anymore. She's like, That's I'm right, done. That's right, he is. I'm done. Living above a pub or something. Yeah, living above a pub. Going fishing. Farting. I'm here with uh, Gay Alex. Gay Alex. Hello. <laughs> We're having Hello. some drinks in the UK. Um, and I just wanted to maybe tell you about a dream I had about Harrison. I know he's not Ooh. feeling well at the moment. Perverted sex dream. <laughs> yes, perverted sex dream about Harrison. <laughs> basically because I love him and I miss him and I hope he's okay. Uh, basically, the dream was that um, I was with Harrison at my mum's house um, and it felt very wrong. And then Harrison and I started making love, which is great. Wait, at your mom's house? You guys were like making love at your mom's house. Was your mom there? Was she home? Oh, does Harrison make love? I couldn't imagine that. I, 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 you know, I don't even want to imagine that. Um, but who knows? I mean, in uh, in her dream, he apparently does. Uh, Harrison was very passionate. Felt very good. It all felt very like just lovely, really. Um, and then he turned into my first boyfriend, who was um, whoa, uncircumcised, had a lot of dick cheese, and I just what? was like, God, this this dream took cheese? like a total twist here. So her, uh, yeah, Harrison, who I'm assuming Harrison is circumcised. I'm assuming. I've never, I can't, I can't confirm that one way or another, but he's part Jew and all Jews, you know, tend to be circumcised. 
But uh, he transformed into her ex-boyfriend who was uncircumcised with an unhealthy amount of smegma. Uh, that have, from, have, you, uh, an, yeah. have you ever encountered that? Is that something, does your 18-year-old, <laughs> is that a, a thing you had to deal with? <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, wait, no. he's not 18. He's 18 no, years younger. he's not younger. 18. <laughs> yeah. Oh, 18. Oh, it's funny. He actually <laughs> joked when we oh, after one of our first dates, and, and he told me his age, and he's like, no, actually, I'm 19. I almost died. I was like, no, 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 no. He's like, what difference is it now? I'm like, no, you can't be 19. <laughs> you so couldn't even die, go. But... What's the drinking age in Canada? Is it 21? Um, in Alberta, it's 18. Oh, okay. And so you the can rest take of the him country, the it's 19. So yeah, he would yeah. have been legal, but yeah, no, I, no. <laughs> He's like, what's the matter? 25, 19. I'm like, oh no, 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 uh, schmegma, no dick cheese. Have no, you no. ever encountered that? Are most Canadians circumcised? Most are. Yeah. Oh, is and, it? So um, it's kind of like, uh, like the States that hold like, yeah. Because I think here it's like a Judeo-Christian thing or whatever that they do. Also a health yeah. thing, I'm, I'm assuming. Yeah, it's it's. I worked in an OBGYN office for a while. It's definitely still more common, though it's getting less so. But I think the newer, younger generations, not so much. But yeah, the ones I've seen. Yeah, I wouldn't even, I would run. I would <laughs> you run. would, so wait, you've never encountered one? I, I've, I think three in my life. Was it horrifying? I was younger. Like, oh my god! I don't know. I don't know what the fuck to do with it. <laughs> <laughs> it's like this tr extra turtleneck. You don't know what to do with it. I'm like, ah, do you push it aside? And I've got a little gap between my teeth, you know, so you don't want to get it caught. Like, I'm afraid I'll get, get it caught. Don't get the getting caught in there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because yeah, it's kind of sharp. I couldn't imagine, just, you know, circumcising yeah, no, them with could, my own teeth be... or whatever. Ooh. Yeah, <laughs> your banjo string. You like have the banjo string snap. Um, yeah. Yeah, but but smegma. That's that's one thing. One thing I do appreciate having like a circumcised dick. I've never had to deal with that because I don't shower every day. I shower probably every other day. But I don't know. Does smegma happen? Like if you don't shower every day, does smegma just build up immediately? I if I I honestly don't know. I would imagine that it would get kind of crusty in there if you're not. I have a theory. That's why English women's teeth are so bad. That would make sense because of smegma. Yeah. Yeah. God for an uncircumcised man. Yeah, yeah, very, yep. Gay Alex can attest to that. Gay Alex can commiserate. He's like, oh, I know all about it. For uncircumcised man, but uh, there was a lot of dick cheese, and I just felt like very compelled to carry on with the uh, blowjob. Ah. Um, and like, would you? Oh. Would you be like, you gotta wash yourself? I would throw up. <laughs> That's contributing even more dick cheese. I, I don't, I, I would be out. I'd be like, yeah, no, I'm good. Like we're, we're done. I'm going to go grab a glass of wine. I'm going to rinse my mouth and get this ever happened. Yeah. Like, yeah. Sexy time is over now. You got yeah. a bunch of cheese whiz in your dick. Clean it out. Mood killer. Yeah. I carried on. It was very unpleasant. Uh, and I sucked off my first boyfriend once again. I love how she's like, carried on. It was very unpleasant, but uh, we just kept going. And then, you know, I've never spoken to him again. Very English. And yeah, I don't know why I felt necessary to share that with you guys, but um, I am very single and very desperate at the moment. I'm not going to lie. Um, well, you're trying to get with after epic this farter, call, so. epic farter still wants to go out on a date, I'd be up for that. Um, anytime soon. I'm moving to Australia at the end of the year, so... Like, you know, time is money, really. So <laughs> let's go on a date. Um, 
if Epic Father is up for it and Harrison, you're up for, you know, making good on my dreams, I would definitely do that. Wait, is she trying to hook up a menage a trois here with Harrison, Epic Farter, and her? And her ex-boyfriend. Don't forget her ex-boyfriend. Well, the dick it's cheese. the dick cheese. But so, I wonder, you know, Harrison yeah. doesn't like Epic Farter, so I don't know if he'd be oh. down with this. But you never know with that guy. You know, right he now, may be. It's been a while. Yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's been a while, so he might be down with pulling a train on uh, Minx here with Epic Farter. <laughs> Wobbly H, at least. <laughs> so, Harrison, I hope you're okay. Try not to get too drunk like we are now and try to be cool. And I love you guys loads. Wash your dicks. You guys helped me through some tough times, so. <laughs> Sorry about the horrible phone call. Bye. <laughs> well, thank you, Minx. And... I'm going to play matchmaker here. I think I can arrange a date with you with Epic Farter. However, if you do this, you need to like give us a, a play-by-play. you got to call in and let us know exactly what went down and if he ripped any farts Absolutely. during the entire we day. we got to know all the details. Uh, yeah, we need the details. So uh, yep. it, hit me up on uh, Facebook, and I will make a connection. Because Epic Farter is uh, a friend of mine on Facebook, and, and, uh, and I don't know if we're friends on Facebook, Minx, but... Reach out and we'll we'll get the, we'll make this happen. It's all go team here on Sick and Wrong. Your first Sick and Wrong wedding. <laughs> We've actually there's been a few. Oh, there's been a from few. The One, forum. yeah, the old the old Sick and Wrong forum. I remember I can't think of that guy's name. He was a weirdo. He like married this like cat. This she called herself the crazy cat lady. There's, she remember. had a bunch of like ailments with her too, and he like married her. And then there was another one. Um, that actually wanted Lance and I to officiate the wedding. And Lance was just like, hell no. <laughs> <laughs> I, w- I contemplated it. I'm like, it might be kind of fun. Um, that would be amazing. Yeah, that, that would be kind of fun. Should have done it. Um, but anyway, yeah, we'll see what happens. This could be a, a romance in the Love air Love connection. Here. Love connection. All right, next call we have here is from uh, Buff- Buffalo Bill. Good old Buffalo Bill. Hello, gentlemen. It's Buffalo Bill. Uh, it's like four in the morning, and I've not gotten a wink of sleep. Um, but I was just reminded of uh, something that I was just calling about. Um, so, uh, ever since I was born, I've had this uh, kind of birthmark on about uh, a couple inches lower uh, and to the left of my left nipple. Wait, it's a birthmark or is he he's calling it kind of a birthmark so the third nipple that's what i'm thinking sounds like it's like a third nipple and i always thought it was like a birthmark because like that's all it was ever deemed you know and then um i'm visiting my girlfriend's mom's side of the family and her brother and i went to go work out and um we were working outside, and I took my shirt off. And he goes, oh, my God, you've got a third nipple. I'm like, ha, ha, ha. No, it's not. He goes, no, but it's raised in the middle. I said, yeah, that just happened. It, I thought it was a melanoma. And um, I like how he's like, I thought it was a melanoma, but he didn't go get it checked out. <laughs> like, would you be like, I got this thing growing out of my chest here. You know, I'd be, I would probably go to a dermatologist. That would be, yeah, that would be the first thing I would do. And I'm like, ah, whatever, birthmark, melanoma, I'm good. Uh, <laughs> what the God. fuck? I wonder if he makes his girlfriend suck it. Uh, no, he he has uh, medical experience, and it turns out 
that actually. <laughs> what kind with of medical that, experience? With his girlfriend's brother has medical experience, and so he's diagnosing his third nipple. Is he like a vet and he knows teeth, or is he? God, gynecologist. There you go. I have an underdeveloped. Well, it was underdeveloped until I hit fucking my twenties. Uh, it's a nipple. And I think we're planning uh, to do a a poll on Facebook or Discord to what? figure out what we should name oh, little guy. Naming his birthmark. Um. Yeah. You pierce it. Just on yeah. Share. Have a nice day, guys. Later. Yeah, I think you should pierce it and call it yeah. Sid. Yeah, something. exactly. Yeah. And I think just get a little chain from one nipple to chain. the other nipple. Yeah, you could chain them, you know, all together. That'd be kind a of cool. A triad of nipples. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Buffalo Bill, you got to put up this poll so we could name yep. your disgusting third nipple. Ugh. Um, all right, all right. Last call we have here is, uh, so on Patreon last week, we were talking about Tales of Revenge. And I think mm-hmm. Schlitzy called in and was like, what's your best tale of revenge? And uh, I told mine, and then uh, the guy that was co-hosting uh, with me, uh, Johnny from Got Faded Podcast, he told his. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, this week, Allison calls in with her tale of revenge. Okay. Hey, guys. It's Allison from Rhode Island. On the last show, you were discussing on in the Patreon feed um, some of your favorite tales of revenge, and I thought I'd share mine with you. Um, this is something that I did to a former roommate of mine in the very, very late 80s. So I had a college roommate, and we were great friends. God, I used to get revenge on my old college roommate. Oh, no, really? Yeah, no, my uh, freshman year, I went in. So there were a couple of people that went from my high school to, uh, I went to the University of Michigan. There were a couple people that went to the University of Michigan, but I didn't want to, like, you know, be roommates with them, want to meet new people. And yeah. so in Michigan, and I don't know, maybe it's because my parents were cheap and I was on financial aid or whatever. I had to share this tiny room with two other dudes. It fucking oh. sucked. It was like three guys in this like tiny little room. And oh, so uh, one of the guys who I'm actually still friends with to this day, kind of a Republican, sort of, sort of the opposite of me, but we, although he can, he's not a fan of Trump, um, but he is a Republican and we like, you know, definitely have opposing political views but he's a good guy we, we're still friends but the other guy was from like almost like the upper peninsula of michigan almost to canada okay and uh was just this like oh god i hated this dude i don't even remember his real name because i found out his middle name was ernest so i just called him <laughs> ernest and uh ernest ernest hated me hated uh chuck and the reason why we hated him is because when we lived there the first i would say the first month he turned us in for smoking weed in the room like he turned us into the art yeah we almost got kicked out of the door oh yeah and then after that we're just like oh my god we hate you and so then yeah lots of revenge but uh i don't know whatever happened to ernest it's probably a doctor or something successful i'm sure (laughs) um we lived together in an off-campus apartment i won't tell your name um she went off to uh study abroad for a semester she went to england and um she brought back a British boyfriend who supposedly got... Was he circumcised? Probably not. Probably, Probably had a lot of dick cheese. dick cheese, yeah. Yeah. Some kind of work visa to do something, but he ended up not doing that. 
and he kind of sponged off of her. He was not a bad guy. And then, but that's annoying when you live with somebody, and now it's like now I got a third roommate because your boyfriend not, moves in. Yeah, it's not paying rent. Yeah. It was eating my food. But yeah. apparently, he's not a bad guy. <laughs> All right. Yeah, that's annoying. She turned very. Um, she turned into a cunt, and um, she suggested that we split everything in half. So they they had one half of the expenses in the rent, and I had the other half of the expenses in the rent. Which yeah, but how is that fair, though? Because it's not. Yeah, yeah, I mean it should be in thirds because he's it using should. a third of the apartment. Yeah. Yeah, I'd be annoyed. It didn't fair at all. I suggested, you know, we split this three ways because there are three of us in the apartment. And it got really heated. And in the end, um, they actually even locked up. She put a lock on the door to their room. <laughs> I remember my ex. She was living with this girl. And uh, the girl, same situation, had a boyfriend from, I think, Australia who mm-hmm. just kind of moved here and was only supposed to be there for like a couple of weeks. So he got his own place but never got his own place and just became the third roommate. The worst part about it is he would use her loofah sponge. And this guy was a hairy motherfucker. So it's like she would go in the shower and it would just be covered in like curly hairs. Like, would you I had freak a roommate out? and her, she was living with me and then her boyfriend moved in. And did she then, ask you though? Or did he just move in? He just was never left kind of thing. And next thing you know, he was there all the time and same thing. They'd lock their doors and use up all the toilet paper. And then when that was out, they'd use the paper towels. Towels. And when that was out, like just anything, never paid the phone bill, never paid any of the utilities. And then eventually she moved out and he stayed. (laughs) (laughs) How did that happen? How were you cool with that? I wasn't, I had moved to Vancouver (laughs) shortly to work on a film and that's when she left and let him live there. And then he's, you know, selling drugs out of the house. And I'm like, no, no, no. So I had to come home and get him out of the house. And I'm like, how did this happen? Like, this was my place. God, yeah. Spiral yeah, out of control. It did. And I ended up paying all of it. So. Oh, wow. You Did you victim like a victim? Were you like the master yeah. tenant? Yeah. I eventually uh, kicked them out and stuff. But yeah, they never did pay their share either. Neither of them. Well, maybe you should get revenge like Allison did. I'll apparently. take some. I'll take some notes. <laughs> Um, so I couldn't get in, not that I went in anyway, but that's where, where the phone jack was. And so I couldn't make any phone calls. So you used to have to go to the, um, the, um, this was the late 80s, so there were phone booths. So the phone booth a couple blocks away and make a phone call if I needed to make a phone call. And, that um, sucks. we just stopped talking to each other. It got really frosty and horrible and, and, uh, so I, I found I found a place and I was going to move out. And um, I had a talk with a British boyfriend who wasn't a bad guy, but I said, you know, she's turned into a total cunt and I'm getting out of here. So on the morning that I was leaving, I bought a couple cans of tuna Ooh. and I opened up the cans of tuna and I put a couple of them into the drop ceiling oh. uh, just because... I hated Delicious. these people in the end, <laughs> and um, they really annoyed me, and they really caused a lot of problems. And normally in that intervention, I don't really give a shit, but you know, they deserved it. Well, 
she deserved it. Anyway, keep it sick, keep it wrong. Love you guys, and uh... all right. Wow, yeah, that's that is devious. It's effective, that's for sure. Nice it's and definitely. simple, but horribly yeah. effective. You know, oh, when uh, when I, the old Sick and Wrong studio in the Tenderloin, when I moved out of there, I uh, had saved this chunk of tofu on my fire escape almost a year. And it'd become like, it'd become kind of like greenish and yellow with mm-hmm. like little spots of orange on it. And I had it in like a uh, Tupperware yeah. just sitting out there for like a year. And my neighbor that lived adjacent to me in the residential hotel that was like right, uh, right, right across from my window yeah. Oh, that guy was awful. You can even hear him in the, some of the old shows. You could hear him screaming at his crackhead girlfriend. Oh, that guy was terrible. We used to like get into it all the time. Like he'd scream at me, and I'd is tell that, him to shut up. Is that the one you wrote the screed to? No, the, that was uh, those were some like runaways that the landlord oh, right, allowed to live right. in the basement. Was, right. Yeah, um, but no, this guy was just awful, and like they would get in horrible fights, and he would he would like violently hit this woman who would just Jeez. go back to him, and like yeah, we I mean, we just we hated each other. Anyway, I saved that thing up for almost a year, and the day I moved out, it was like I think I packed everything up at like seven a.m. I just yeah. took that, took a glove, grabbed that chunk of tofu, and threw it as hard as I could. It went like right through his screen, just into his place. It smelled so bad, like the the glove just reeked. Oh, and then God. I left. Yeah, that's that's a hell of a long game revenge right there. It, it 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 worked, but it wasn't as good as what she did because you could tell, like her roommates would be like, "God, what's the smell?" And they yeah. probably tore up the whole place. Who'd have thought it was in like the ceiling? The ceiling. Brilliant. Yeah, it would take forever to find. Yeah, brilliant. Uh, well, thank you, Allison. Um, that was a great tale of revenge. People call Sick Wrong Hotline, 323-522-4032. We did get an email that came in from Mark. Uh, Mark says, uh, tell Harrison he's a pussy for chickening out on the rest of his road trip. So um, if you remember the road trip, that uh, the fateful road trip with Jizzy Jake? I- don't blame Harrison one bit. I would have done the same damn thing. No fucking way I'd be I was, going there. I was amazed it even went there in the first place. Yeah. But yeah, after being in a car with Jizzy Jake, the pit bull, like the case of beer he's drinking. And could you imagine the smell of that car? And the girl he picked up. And oh, the yeah, whole, yeah, yeah. yeah. The whole thing. The drinking, um, yeah. So tell Harrison he's a pussy for checking out of the rest of the trip. I was so amped to hear about more than just five hours of bitching about the heat and crying. I wish I was caught up on enough episodes to have caught him here in Houston and shown him around. Plus, I need a new cigarette shirt. I need to find out how to pay you for it because my last one burned up with my house last Thanksgiving. Oh, Oh, that's terrible. Um, You'll be able to order a shirt very soon, though, on the Tee Public store, buddy. Uh, you may have replied when I asked before, but sometimes shit gets lost in my email. Anyway, here is how to avoid checkpoints in Texas. They could have gone the route through Roswell or use all your drugs and just re-up. Okay, take all your drugs and then re-up in New Mexico or Arizona. I used to run shit up the highway, so I'm kind of used to it. Take it easy, guys. So he was saying that Harrison should just and Jizzy Jake should just done all their drugs and then bought new drugs in New Mexico because they know somebody waiting on the other side or what? It's not. Yeah. It's like this guy is running drugs. So I think he knows where to get them when you get to these other cities, you know, and just 
try to get through the checkpoint just high as a kite and hallucinating <laughs> and whatever. Yeah, that like, sounded yeah, that sounded kind of crazy though. The fact that they have these like Texas checkpoints, I'd be nervous I, about that too. I lived in Texas. I never saw those. I wasn't. I don't know where that where that was. Well, they're, but I, yeah, they're in Houston. You ever go to Houston? I've only gone to Houston through Houston once on the way to Galveston. Yeah, I lived in Austin, and then um, we drove up through Dallas. So I've never, I've never driven like east west. I've only driven north. Oh, so yeah, I, I guess I never really, uh, yeah, I never really uh, have been. I've heard to, about it, but didn't well, Willie Nelson get busted by a checkpoint when he was he? coming through on his tour bus? Yeah, I think he did, and he got busted, and they tore his tour bus apart. Oh, you know, I don't even One remember of those if that. Uh, yeah, I don't remember so. if it's uh Yeah, did that happen in it was it in Houston? I think so. Hmm. I remember it happening. I think it was when he was on tour and he was going through. Oh, yeah, maybe. Uh, I, mean, I, I wouldn't imagine. You know, have you ever seen Willie Nelson live? No. Oh, he's no, so brilliant. If you get a chance well, I mean, I don't know if he's still touring, but uh, I remember I saw him at the Fillmore in uh, San Francisco and people were just throwing joints up on stage and he's just sitting there you know singing like on the road again and then he'd bend down and be like I'll save this one for later and he had like his pocket was just filled with joints <laughs> he has his own pot farm in Texas too does he really he does yeah oh wow god I didn't even know that that's yeah no he's he's brilliant I always uh yes. I always like that guy um Anyway, yeah, I, you know, I want to go to Houston just because Liz has been calling in and talking about all these, okay. like, crazy porn, like, movie theaters there, which oh, yeah. makes me think it's, like, some kind of weird anachronism, like, you're stepping back in time. Like, do you guys have blockbusters or video stores in Houston still? Because I kind of want to experience that again. You know what? I I didn't see any of that. I lived in Austin, which was incredibly weird, but the story she's saying... Yeah, it would be, it'd be guys, a sight to see. Do you guys have porn theaters in uh, Calgary? No. No? no there aren't we, any uh, over there? I used to work in a, a video store back in the day when I was like 16 that had the, or 17 that had, or no, I must have been 18 because it was a porn store, but uh, had the, the saloon, the saloon doors. doors. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah that's back. like classic. Yeah. And then people <laughs> would go get, porn. that must have been kind of, so here's a cute girl checking you out and you got to bring up a porn VHS tape. What was worse is when I was 19, I actually worked at a sex store and, and um, we worked by ourselves. We didn't even have coworkers. We had a little button, like one of those help I fall and like I can't panic get up buttons. Button? Panic button. Yeah. That's all we had. And we worked alone. Well, and was it our, open to like 2 a.m.? Yeah, it was open late and you work by yourself and people would, guys would call and ask all these questions kind of like to get off, I guess, be like, oh, what's the largest dildo you have? Oh, would that fit up my ass? And, you know, it's just the most god awful things. Did you have like peep show booths? Did you have to clean the cum off the the video monitors? No, No, thank God I would die. (laughs) Oh, no. Yeah, I think Ugh. the uh, the sex store. I mean, there's there's a couple here, but here in like LA, they're like body positive ones, like um, like Good Vibrations, like a lesbian sex store where they sell like really expensive vibrators. They have those here now, but back when I worked at it, they, it was still pretty taboo. And it, yeah, like I think Cyberskin like was the most fancy ones. thing, and oh, so so sketchy. And yeah. yeah, people would call just to harass the the people, the girls that work there and 
and get off on asking questions. It was pretty That's gross. Hilarious. I don't think I've ever been though to like what Liz was describing, like a porn theater that you walk in and then she would just go up to the dude's wanking and just be like, yeah, you can jack off on my tits. Yeah, that's that's special unique. breed. <laughs> anyway, people email the show, sickerongpodcast gmail.com. Uh, best way to support the show is by becoming a sickerong patron. I actually had Slitzy uh, do patron with me this week, and it was he actually got me talking about some personal stuff. Oh. Um, yeah, he was asking me, I don't know why it came up. Like we were t- talking about some horrible story where this guy decapitated his mother. And he's like asking me like, so when did your brother come out? How old were you when he came out? And it's just like, I don't know why that came up, but I'm just like, all right. And it's kind of drunk. And so I go into this whole story about like when I was in ninth grade and my brother came out of the closet to the family. So if you want to check that out, go to patreon.com slash sick and wrong. Sign up today. We do appreciate everybody uh, supporting the show. Uh, finally, here's sick and wrong song of the week. I was trying to find something that, uh, is kind of like apropos for Picton and, uh, you know, like a, a song about pigs. And so uh, I'm going to default to one of my favorite bands here, uh, The Plasmatics. You know Wendy O. Williams, The Plasmatics? No, I don't. Kind of 80s punk band. Oh, she's great. She's almost like a female Lemmy. I think we've played some, okay. uh, I think we've played some of her songs before, but this song is off their 1984 record, Beyond the Valley. Oh, she's such a badass. She like has like Liberty Spikes and... Um, yeah, kind of like a female Lemmy. And I think in the 90s, she decided she was done, walked in her backyard, and blew her head off. <laughs> Wendy well, O'Williams. Go yeah. Punk she's style, sure. Brilliant. She's brilliant. Anyway, here's a song that uh, she wrote called A Pig is a Pig off of uh, their Beyond the Valley album from 1984. So we're going to end that end the show with that. Uh, Shauna, thank you for co-hosting. It's been a lot thank of fun hanging out. Me. I had a great time. Yeah. Anytime. All right, sure. I'm definitely going to have you on again. Uh, People will be back next week with episode 758. Until then, take it sleazy. Now this song is dedicated to a special kind of person. The kind of person who's hiding under rocks and in closets wherever you go. Hiding behind the guise of respectability. The cowardly journalist who hides behind his typewriter, exploiting people who can't fight back. The assassin who strikes people by surprise. The sicky sadist who hides behind his police badge to commit crimes of violence against other people. Whatever role they're playing, These creeps are always the same because a pig is a pig and that's that.
Great. That was that was a lot of fun. Thank you. I had so much fun. I was so nervous. <laughs> Were you really nervous about doing the show? All day. I was like, oh my 